Hello, and welcome to the Abiding Together podcast in partnership with Ascension. Abiding Together is a place where you can find connection, rest, and encouragement on your journey with Jesus Christ. My name is Sister Miriam James, and every week I am joined by two of my dearest friends ever, Heather Kim and Michelle Benzinger. What you're going to find is we're three normal women who are on the journey, who laugh, we cry, we have all kinds of adventures, and our heart is to share our love of Christ with you, our friendship, and all the beautiful and broken places that we encounter. So you are most welcome to join us on this journey. Grab a cup of coffee, get settled in, and welcome home. Hello, and welcome to the Abiding Together podcast. We are going to talk about today the topic of the power of spiritual fatherhood, and we have an amazing, wonderful, special guest for you today, which who you're going to love. We know you're going to love him, but we're going to wait to make you find out who it is for a second. So (laughs) Michelle and Heather, how are you doing? Michelle, we were just commenting on your cute shirt, which nobody can see but us, but it's fabulous, and you look wonderful, and it's summertime in Florida, so how are you doing? I am good. Kids are out of school still. <laughs> the new has worn off. She's still rubbing it in because our kids are still in school. Yeah. Okay. And so I have about probably uh, 10 middle school to high school boys at my house every day. So the food is going very quickly, but it's <laughs> awesome. I'd rather them be at my house than any other place. So yeah, I'm just loving life. It is great. So That's summertime, awesome. all that kind of good stuff. Heather, how are you? I'm good. Um, this will come out in a couple of weeks from now, but today my youngest daughter is getting confirmed. So I'm Yay. super excited. So we're getting everything ready. And yeah, it's going to be wonderful. I'm excited for her. And she's so excited. So it's just really sweet. It's a sweet time to share together. Oh my gosh. Amen. Talk about a life-changing yeah. moment, huh? I know. I know. She's like, am I going to get all the gifts at once? Like, how am I going to feel after? <laughs> So awesome. Yeah. How are you, sister? I'm doing well. I'm doing well here, sweltering in the South Texas heat and uh, as usual, right? So working at my desk. You looked a little melted. I know, the melting nuns, as we, you're going to hear me complain about that a lot. So, but anyway, without further ado, we're going to ask um, our guest how he is doing. But I want to introduce to you a dear friend. And if you're an Ascension Press listener, you know who this is. If you're anybody on planet Earth, you know who this is. So mm-hmm. we want to invite uh, to the show our very dear friend, Father Mike Schmitz. How are you, friend? Sister, I am Awesome. It's doing so well. I'm so excited to be with you here today. Yeah. Well, you were just talking about the weather up where you are because you're a northern kid. So tell us about that. Oh, my gosh. It is gorgeous. It, um, so we, have, we were hoping that summer would come and it looks like it's going to happen over a weekend. Um, so we're really excited about that <laughs> here like in Minnesota. Narn- like Narnia or something <laughs> in the White Witch, you know. Like- <laughs> but um, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Outside the window, it is blue skies for the first time. I don't know how long. And it is about uh, 68 degrees and I just can't not wait to actually, when it comes to kind of like you mentioned sister about like sweltering, melting nuns, Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to (laughs) like days where I have to get rigged up in the black, which is pretty much every day, uh, if if I'm not like off and away at a lake in Minnesota, I really don't care what the weather's doing (sighs) because I'm like, no, I have to just melt and I have to bake in the, in the black. And so I don't mind if it's cool in Duluth because we're we're built, on the city's built on the side <laughs> of mm-hmm. Lake Superior. Oh, wow. And so it's a, we call it the natural air conditioner. It keeps the temperatures relatively cool for a, quite a while. Mm. Um, but it's gorgeous. And mm-hmm. I love that. 
Well, I was up there in January and that, I was like, when I left that morning, like six o'clock in the morning, I, I was at your parish speaking to your students and it was 12 below zero that morning. And that was before the polar vortex. And I'm like, man, y'all don't mess around up here. Like, this is seriously, I'm dying. Yeah. 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 You, I'm so glad you came up. It was really generous of you and it I got even, a lot colder after you left. Oh gosh. Well, Father, we brought you on when we thought about, you know, people we could have on to talk about spiritual fatherhood. You were the first person that came to our mind. And so it was beautiful. Can I just say, just to testify to who you are and just the beauty of who you are as a priest. And it was beautiful to see you on campus with your students. And I, I, you know, you and I know each, we've known each other for many years and at at conferences and things like that. And I think we all know that when you go to conferences, you often get mobbed and people like, oh my gosh, Father Mike Schmitz. But it was so beautiful to see you. I called it your native habitat, um, where nobody was like fangirling over you and, and people just loved you. And just to see when you prayed mass for your students, to see the look on your face as a father to his children, I will never forget that. And so, uh, it was so beautiful to see you minister as such a wonderful spiritual father. So we were just going to kind of ask you just some questions and just to kind of share with our audience and just your listeners, your own heart. But like, what does it mean to be a spiritual father? Like, how do, what does that mean to you? And how do you express that? And how do you live that out? Yeah, no, that's a really great question. If, if you don't mind, if I could rewind a little bit um, <laughs> in the sense of like, so when I was in seminary, um, one of the things that they they talked about a lot was they would say things like, you know, you're not being ordained to be simply like a sacraments dispenser. You're not being ordained to just simply be a functionary here or like, a, you know, some kind of tool. Um, and they, But they didn't clarify. They didn't easily – maybe I was sick that day. But <laughs> I, it seemed like it was like, okay, you're not ordained for this. You're not ordained for this. It's not just what you're going to be. And then it seemed like the only kind of takeaway was so what you're being ordained – for is to have like a ministry of presence. So I'm like, okay, I mean, I guess uh, I'll be present as present as I can be. But it, they, they, there was never a like clear vision of what the priest is. Mm. It was um, this kind of mix of, I don't know, a bunch of stuff. You just, you do a bunch of things. Um, so we're going to train you in theology. We're going to train you in some pastoral counseling type things. We're going to train, but you're not a counselor. Uh, you're also not a theologian, really. And we're going to train you in some sacraments, but you're not an expert in the, you know, all mm-hmm. these kind of things. And it wasn't until, I mean, honestly, it wasn't until maybe I'm, I'm ordained this summer, 16 years. Wow. And maybe it was five years ago mm-hmm. uh, when, maybe six years ago. One of our, my brother priest who was ordained a, a, quite a bit after me. And he just casually would drop this idea of, well, well, no, the, the deepest identity of the priest is he's the father. Mm. And I was like, oh, oh my gosh. Like I, I had to sink in. It, it took a while for to sink in because one of the reasons is uh, I remember, you know, being ordained, I'm like, what, 28 years old. And, and I have always, always had these images of like, you know, me as a 28 year old priest, uh, in a confessional with, you know, some 90 year old person on the other side being going, Oh yes, go on my child, you know, <laughs> yes, my son. And, and how that seemed so hollow, but, or it seems so, you know, kind of like forced and condescending, but it wasn't until after being ordained for a number of years and then hearing this this presentation of, well, no, ultimately the heart of the priest is the heart of a father that it was, that has radically transformed. I mean, the last six years or so, however long it's been, it has radically transformed the way that, um, I see the priesthood, the way that I see myself, the way that I see like exercising this ministry. Cause it, then it ceases to be like a ministry. I mean, it doesn't cease to be ministry, but it, it ceases to be like a job, like where you say, okay, here's the theology part. Here's the pastoral ministry part. Here's the counseling part. Here's the, it's like, no, you're being a dad. Hmm. And um, that is that is so been uh, 
it's not just a, a worldview, it's also in my heart. Mm. Um, and I, I will say one more thing before I'll pass it back to you, um, is uh, that was driven home within the last even, I don't know, maybe I'll say two or three years. Um, I don't know if you heard this, sister, at all when uh, you're around with our students, but a couple years ago, a bunch of students, and our, our missionaries, we have focused missionaries on campus, they just... I'd walk into a room and they'd start just saying, hey, dad. Oh, that's so and sweet. I'd be like, oh, oh yeah, hey, guys, I'm just going to go. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, right to my heart. And it happens. It's just like now it's kind of, I don't know, if we're back, lack of a better term, the nickname. But um, like you said, sister, at, at conferences and stuff, there's like it's, it's great to be able to be present to people and to be, you know, to serve or to speak or whatever the thing is. But at home, it's like, hey, dad. And I'm like, man, oh man, God, you are so good because um, the reality of spiritual fatherhood becomes even more powerfully uh, the identity. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That's beautiful. Father Mike, there was, uh, I was watching one of your Seek talks from this last year, and you shared really vulnerably about an experience that you had when you saw a student in the plane. And yeah. it, it really, it was so moving to me. It wrecked I mean, me. your vulnerability yeah. was moving, but it was moving because your father's heart was so visible. And that's not something that we always get to see. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that one of the, one of the signs of a good father is someone who knows how to be a son of the father and to receive from the father and to know who the father is. Like that's how I think priests can most best image the fatherhood of God is to know him personally. So I guess one of my questions is like in your relationship with God, how have you grown in your understanding of who God is as father to you? Yeah, no, Heather, that's a really great question because I, um, it has taken on a a lot. uh, uh, It's deepened in many ways. So years ago, uh, my first year of seminary, I went on a 30-day silent retreat. Wow. And on that retreat, there were two things that really, uh, there were graces that have stayed with me for the last 20-plus years now. Um, one of them was knowing Jesus, mm-hmm. um, like knowing him. Like I, I, I had a sense that like, oh my gosh, I've been telling God, I've been telling Jesus that I love you, Jesus, my whole life. Uh, but this was one of those kind of situations where I was like, wait a second, when I say I love you now, Jesus, I think I know who I'm talking to. Like I had a better sense of who it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and the second thing was it deeply and profoundly related to God the Father. And it is a an element of, it's just permeated with trust. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, if we go all the way back to the fall, other people have pointed out that with the first sin, trust died in the human heart. Trust of the Father, trust mm-hmm. of God died mm-hmm. in the human heart. And uh, that retreat was just this, uh, the Lord handed me one of the greatest graces. And that was, I just, I know I can trust him. Um, and then over the course of those last, you know, 20 plus years now since, but since then, it's very personal. So it's, I know I can trust him as my dad. Mm. And then even more, uh, and this is something that I'll, I'll, I share a ton with our students as well as other people, is there was kind of a big growth for me when it came to the father when I was able to, you know, growing up, okay, Jesus calls God his Abba, you know, and so Abba in English is like daddy. It's this, and I'm like, oh yeah, no, I'm not saying that. I, I am not from the South and I'm not going to say, hey daddy, that seems so weird. Um, I always think of like, I always think of Ruka Salt, like, oh, that's daddy, funny. I want a Noopa Noopa now. And I'm like, oh my gosh, 
I, I'm like, God, I don't, I mean, no offense. I did not want to call you daddy. Um, and then someone had pointed out, well, you know, Papa, Papa is like, mm-hmm. you know, kind of a more colloquial term of endearment to the father. I'm like, that's mm-hmm. cool. But I don't call it. I think I feel like five of the mouse, like Papa, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> And I can't do that either. And then That's so great. I love it. I don't remember when it was, but it was just one of those, well, like, oh, so Jesus is saying that he calls God what I call my dad, which is dad. And so about X three years ago, maybe the same time as our students started calling me dad, I just started calling the father dad in my prayer. Wow. And it was one of, I mean, out loud specifically, so important. Because then out loud, all of a sudden, it's, I, mm, my gosh, wow, I, I can hardly even actually pray out loud when I call God dad uh, without, without uh, being moved by how good he is and mm-hmm. by, without being moved by a, a very uh, tangible father, fatherhood of God. And so it all goes back to the trust part. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I, I get to, I feel like it exercise, I exercise it every time I get to just call God dad. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. I can't help but think right now as people are listening to this, as we talk about the word fatherhood, for some people, that is a very hard topic in their life, you know? Painful, yeah. And so I'm think I'm just, my heart's going out to people who are listening and going, uh, I didn't have a good dad, you know? And yeah. inevitably that affects our relationship with God, the father. Yeah. And I love in the catechism where it talks about how human parents are the first experience of God, but they often disfigure the face of God. And, and then it goes on to say, but no one is father like God is father. And so I just want to speak to that just for a moment, because I think for all of us, even if we had good dads, there's always areas that they fall short. I love my kids insanely with like a ferocious kind of love, but I know that I fail and I know that I'll hurt them. And I have to put a little money aside for their counseling later in life probably, but, (laughs) um, but I will hurt them and I won't image the love of God perfectly to them. So in those situations, I think it's important that we allow God to heal our idea of what a father is, because he is not the same as our experience of our earthly fathers. In some ways, they might image him well, but every father is going to fall short of that, and we need to experience that restoration. It's not easy, um, but what you're talking about, I think, is a beautiful reminder of the real heart of a father, the real heart of God the Father, who is for us, who loves us, who is good, and he's kind. And he's not going to fail us. He's not going to walk out on us. He's not going to abandon us. And to be able to come to him regularly and experience that kind of fidelity in the relationship, I think, can be transforming not just in our relationship with God, but our relationship with others, you know, period. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I loved back in that Seek talk that we were talking about, like it undid me. I didn't watch a bunch of the talks from Seek because it was a crazy time, but I watched yours and sisters. But it was so good for me to see, like, it was just really good just to restore just my deeper love for the church and the priesthood, which we all three of us have just a deep Mm -hmm. love for both. But to see your um, strong vulnerability, like to see your strong vulnerability, Mm -hmm. but to see your, like your repentance. And I always love to say like repentance leads to revival. And just seeing that repentance and you speaking so strongly, I'm like, that is what a superhero looks like. Mm -hmm. But that is the power of spiritual fatherhood and its effect in like, I know for my story and Sister Miriam's story, like, um, my Sister Miriam's is a little bit different with her earthly father, but my earthly father, our relationship is strained. But if it wasn't for spiritual father stepping in and mm-hmm. refathering me, I don't know what my story would look like. Like, I had two amazing priests just step in and really love me and father me and 
pastor my heart and I mean, just in powerful ways. So I can't even explain the power of spiritual fatherhood, you know, like what effect it has on people. And um, like one of the questions I would love to ask you is what does that look like when you just delight in your children that you have your <laughs> spiritual children, you know? Yeah, no, thank you. And also, yeah, Michelle, thank you for sharing that too about, and then Heather too, oh, like that brokenness, right? Yeah. That, that recognition of uh, one time I remember sharing this with some of our students and one of the young women, she um, was just really honest. And she said, you know, I, I'm not, I call my, my dad, dad, and he is not a good man and he doesn't love me well. Mm-hmm. And so she says, so when I call God, he's, she's like, basically you have permission not to call God dad. Can I call him father? Cause I feel like I can mm-hmm. trust the father. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't feel like I can trust mm-hmm. dad. And I'm like that, of course, you know, absolutely. Because those are all the wounds um, that we, that we experience. It, it maybe you have the same, can have the same experience when it comes to delighting in, in one's children. Um, at our, uh, Easter vigil, there's, I always, so our, our Bishop will bring, will bring us, sorry, let me <laughs> get to the point. We will bring our students to the cathedral for the Easter vigil uh, to be received into the church, to be baptized, you know, first Holy communion and whatnot. And, um, so it's, it's a great joy for me because then I get to, the, let the bishop do the baptisms and let the bishop do the confirmations. And I just get to like, just watch. Mm-hmm. And and I try to watch from around the corner. Like I'm a priest up there in the sanctuary, but I try to get behind like a pillar so I can just like beam and just like not be seen. I'm not here to like draw attention to the, how amazing I think this is. Um, but inevitably there's a, a bunch of students who will have an angle on where I'm and they're like, you are such a dad. Look up there. You're just like, you can't get enough. You're like, you're, you're, you're smiling so big. I'm like, well, I just, I don't know. That's how I see all of you guys. Like, mm. and that's that's a that's a that's a piece of of this. It's, I know that this is just a moment in their lives, um, kind of like Heather you were mentioning uh, your daughter being confirmed today. This is a this is a moment, and I know that there's going to be a lot of low moments. I know there's going to be a lot of pain moments. I know that, I know that there's going to be failures, but I just in this moment, like I want you to know how a how much you're loved. But then here's the, the thing that I think the father can say. I don't know if he says it more powerfully than anyone else in our lives, but like, I am proud of you. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's those words that like, I find myself saying those words a lot in confession. Oh. Tell us about that father. Um, because it's, 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 here is a moment where someone is either at their worst or they feel like they're at their worst. And they feel like the question is, I'm going to come here. Will I be, am I still wanted? Well, like, am, am I still loved? Um, am I enough? And, and, and on, on one level, confession is like the base of that. Like, of course, you know, God still wants you. And of course, he still loves you. But then there's the question beyond that, which is, are you just tolerating me? Mm. And, or, or do you actually delight in me? Even more, I would say this, is that um, when you look at me, are you glad you chose me? Mm-hmm. And I think for the to hear the Father's words, I mean, think how powerful this is in Scripture, that when the Father speaks over his Son, he essentially is saying, I'm proud of him. Mm-hmm. This is my Son with whom I am well pleased. Um, that, that sense of, so, so here we come to confession as broken sons and daughters. And to have our Father in confession say, listen, I just want you to know I am proud of you. The Father is proud of you. 
um, goes beyond those other things. It goes beyond, I think, in my mind, in my heart at least, it goes beyond the you're still chosen and you're still loved and um, you're still delighted and to even more. Like, no. Um, yeah, I don't know. Is that, is that makes any sense? Oh, it does. Oh, that's beautiful. I think that's the Absolutely deepest desire beautiful. of every human heart. Every human heart mm-hmm. wants to hear those words and not just to hear the words, but have them penetrate the heart and live that relationship. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're speaking, it touches me. It brings tears to my eyes. Like you're speaking deeply to the deepest desire of every human heart mm-hmm. of being delighted in, of, you know, of being a source of joy, a spark of joy, as some people say, yeah. you know, and at my worst, at my brokenness, oh, at my littleness, mm-hmm. am I still mm-hmm. loved? Yeah. So I think like mm. that, oh, <laughs> I think like that, especially the gift of a father is what the father imparts to his children. Like, mm-hmm. and I think the restoration of that, like you see the crisis and the priesthood in the church, you see the crisis really of masculinity in the culture. Yeah. And what's happening in these small ways as God rebuilds you, father, as he you know, continually speaks to you, then he's able to give you his heart. And what you're doing is what you're seeing people through his own eyes. That's what you're doing. You know? It's true because it's it's in, particularly in the confessional. It's it's not Father Mike. It is the Father speaking, or it is Jesus Himself mm-hmm. uh, in Persona Christi, where it's here is the message. the 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 heart of the heart of it is not necessarily an encounter with this other person, although that's part of it. It is an encounter with the Father's heart. Um, yeah. You know, it's funny, you know, kind of like where that comes from even where, and I, I don't know, I don't know. Uh, well, it comes from the Lord, obviously, but I know that my dad, um, my dad's dad had, you know, he would, he would often tell my dad that he loved him. But my dad, I remember after my grandpa died, my dad said, yeah, my, he said, grandpa, grandpa only, he only told me that he was proud of me twice in my life. And uh, it was when I did this and when I did this. And my dad was just, it was clear that he was communicating to us that, that those two moments meant a lot, but that he was starved for, for it Wow. as well. And so <laughs> and I, I, always think, I always say my dad kind of went the other way in so many ways. My dad's like, oh, wow, you just tied your shoes. So how, who taught you how to tie your, you do that. I am so, so proud. proud of you. You're like, dad, I'm 30, but thanks. You know, I'm like, I, no, honestly, I'm like, dad, I have been tying my shoes for roughly 44 years. Um, but he's just like, you know, he, and, but he carries that because it, it is, a, it, it was the, his father's lack that he's saying. That, so as a dad, I'm, it's not going to be my lack. Um, mm-hmm. It's what I mm-hmm. longed for, um, my dad can no longer say this, and so I will be the father who speaks it. And isn't that a beautiful, I mean, really tangible thing about restoration? Mm. Is that we have the capacity, when God can restore our hearts, we have the capacity to bring that restoration to other people. And I think it's particularly out of the hard places of our life that God wants to bring that kind of glory and, and restoration to other people. It's hard to see when we're in it because all we see is mess. All we see is brokenness, you know, (laughs) but that's the beautiful thing about God is that that's not what he sees. He sees what it could be. And, and he is the one who has the capacity to transform, which is blows my mind every time. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful story. Mm -hmm. So as far as um, we've been like just really diving into um, on the podcast, what does restoration of the church look like and restoring the beauty of the church. And we even got the, that um, saying from St. Catherine Siena on her deathbed, she was lamenting of the state of the church. 
and the Lord allowed her a vision of it being restored to beauty. And she looked to um, Raymond Nicopoa, her spiritual director, and said, beauty will be restored. I see the final. So what does it look like for, and so we asked our podcast listeners and we've asked, even we were together for an event, what does restored femininity look like? And we posed the question on the podcast. We did not expect the ripple effect of that question to wreck everybody. Like we posed it and then people like, I am falling apart from that question. And we're like, oh, okay, this hit a nerve. Um, So what is God stirring in people's hearts? So to counter that, because I don't believe what does restored masculinity look like? Because they both have to be restored. It is not one or the other. It is a joint restoration that has to come about for the restoring and the beauty in the church and in humanity, not just, you know, for all of us. So what does that look like to you, Father Mike? Yeah. Um, I know it's really, a loaded question. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's interesting. I was speaking with one of our, um, there's a religious community that was up here and they just recently moved out of our diocese, unfortunately, but they're great. And, um, and one of the one of the sister, sisters, she said something like, um, she asked the question. I think she said, "What's the role of women in the church, or something like that?" And she's just like, "Hey, I mean, you know, some people in the parish I'm working at right now are asking this question, and what do you think about this?" And um, so even the the my response is going to be similar uh, when you ask like, "What does restored femininity, what's restored masculinity look like?" Um, I'm going to loop back around in a second. Is it uh, Dr. Sachs um, who wrote the book Boys Adrift? And he, I think it was Girls Unleashed, maybe, or Girls uh, Un... And he has a book about the crisis of uh, boyhood and the crisis of girlhood, or the crisis of, like, basically masculinity and femininity. But when it comes to the book Boys Adrift, he talks about the two options that are presented to boys is either being uh, the slacker dude who um, just kind of doesn't do anything, is kind of like whatever, uh, or the bully the brute, I guess he would say, the brute. And what he points out is that the slacker dude has this strength that he just dissipates and the, the brute has strength that he uses to dominate. Mm. And, mm-hmm. and so there's, there's got to be another option. But, but again, it comes back to this, well, what's the middle option? And the middle option ultimately, he says, is someone who will, who will use their strength for others. So not the, the slacker dude who lets his strength dissipate and not the brute who has his strength dominate, but the one who has his strength under control for the sake of others. And she so said, what is that? Who does that? What kind of a, how, what's the word for restored masculinity? Mm-hmm. And the word is fatherhood. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. What's the, what's restored femininity? The word is motherhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and you say, what, yeah, but, but what's that? Like, exactly. <laughs> it is, <laughs> but, but it's, it's that, it's that sense of, because if you, if we were to go on and say, well, you know, men, you have to be assertive. Men, you've got to be uh you gotta go get it, man. You have to um, be take responsibility, like all those things. Yeah, fine, but where does that stop? Because you can be so dis, uh, assertive that you dominate. You can be so uh, mm-hmm. take authority that you become authoritative or authoritarian. I mean, um, the same kind of thing. Like women, you're, you're made to receive. You're made to nurture. Like, well, yes, but at the same time, that's not merely what women do. And also, men do those same kind of things. And so, if you were to think of what is a term, in my mind, at least that would look like restored masculinity. It would be fatherhood, strength at the service of others. Um, what would be restored femininity? It's motherhood. It's that uh, life at the service of others. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I don't know, does that make sense or yes. I'm way off? No, that's beautiful. Totally. I'm going to be sitting with that for a little yeah. while, honestly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a great definition. 
so one of my, my thoughts is that every parish, and particularly when it comes to, like I say, a crisis, maybe, maybe it's a crisis of masculinity, crisis of femininity, but it, but it does have to do with uh, uh, the question many people will ask about, why can't women be priests? Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately it comes down to because only men can be fathers. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, th- I have a sense that if we were living in a different time where in every parish or in many parishes, there were also religious sisters, um, then we'd, it would be so clear, it could be, at least the most healthy, it'd be so clear that you'd have fathers and mothers. Mm. In every parish, we'd have fathers and mothers who are the spiritual fathers and the spiritual mothers. It's one of the reasons why when Sister Miriam and I work on a conference together or work mm. at any time together, I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is so good because mm-hmm. the, the young people or the people who are there, they feel mothered so powerfully um and i'm like what how great could parishes be to have a truly bought in sold out for jesus and a loved father and have a totally sold out and in love with jesus mother um he'd be just really really powerful and i don't mean that in the sense of like a priest who's married and then his wife becomes the mother of the parish (laughs) i am not saying that at all we'll get on record as far as that (laughs) is concerned what i'm saying is i think that there's something more profound and mysterious uh, that restored parish could look yes. um, spiritually restored parish would have a clear, clear sense of fathers and a clear sense of mothers. Mm, that's beautiful. And you see that ache, you know, you see that ache in people for that, you know, and that, mm-hmm. that's the, yeah, that's the continual restoration of the church and the crisis that we talk about religious life and priesthood and things like that. And, and what God is doing in this time, you know, he's, he is, you know, raising up the true mothers and fathers, you know, he is opening hearts and he's, you know, really speaking to the depths of who we are so we can live authentically in who we are um, because that's what the world needs to see. It's, you know, as we know, Father, it's an eschatological sign, right, of heaven, of how God loves and how God receives and how God blesses. And and so the, our vocations need one another, and there's that particular witness of the priesthood and religious life of as a sign that points toward, right, what satisfies all things. Mm. Right? And just, I mean, I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to have to just mull over all this and pray through all this, but like, I love your answer because mm-hmm. a restored femininity motherhood, a restored masculinity fatherhood, but what it brings about is Trinitarian love, which is a restored family. Amen. You know, yep. Yep. it brings restoration yep. to the family. And just a phrase that the Holy Spirit just whispered to me in the last couple of weeks, um, I've just been praying with this, that what does renaissance of a family look like? Mm-hmm. What does a rebirth of a family look like? You know, bringing it about where mm-hmm. living as a family almost looks like an art form you know, loving well, mm-hmm. and it's messy, and it's, you don't know what it's mm-hmm. going to look like at an end, but it's, um, I just feel like the Holy Spirit's just teaching me, like, family's bigger than we think it is, you know, you have the mother and father, yeah. but it's the sisters, it is the spiritual fathers, mm-hmm. it is all encompassing to bring this real mm-hmm. renaissance of family, and then that will mm-hmm. bring restoration of the church in its fullness, and the bride that she is supposed mm-hmm. to be, and created to be, and it's, yeah, mm-hmm. that's beautiful, Father Mike, thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, going off of that, if you don't mind, I just go there. There is something about, you know, uh, the, all the initiatives for renewal mm. of parishes, which is great. Super good. Um, it means we're, we care. We're taking action about this. But ultimately, again, it, it always involves going inward. You know, always mm-hmm. it ultimately always involves loving the people who are literally right there next to you. Amen. And and what is that other than family? You know, mm-hmm. what is that other than genuine Friendship. What is that other than abiding together? 
I was not leading up to that. I just thought of it at the last minute. Not to water down the I see what you did there. But isn't that, I mean, that's it. You know, we can say, here's a parish program. But at the same time, it's, you know, it's families. It's it's people who don't have families being brought into families. Amen. Yeah. So, yeah. Amen. Totally the cries mm-hmm. of our heart. Yeah, Father. Oh, I mean, gosh, we could talk about this for a long time. We're almost out of time here. But what do you think? I mean, how can I know there's a lot of people listening who do experience the fatherhood of their parish priest, like they experience you, like your students experience you. And I know there's a lot of people that don't, you know. And so, how can we as a church support you as a priest? And what? How can we love you? Like, how can we call you to excellence? How can we bless you? You know, how can we be a safe place for you? Like, what can we do for you as a church? Well, how can we help bless the priesthood? Well, I, um, it's a good question. I've been, I've been just really, uh, blessed by the Lord to be able to be in a, in a, in a situation to grow into this place where I'm at right now, particularly on a college campus. And again, something is, is, is just, I know that this is a season in my life where uh, a lot of our students are the age of the, I'm like the age of their dads. <laughs> and, and, and so it's, it's a weird feeling. Yeah. It's, it's so good. And I, but I realized it's just kind of like, here's a, here's a moment in my life. I get to just be there. Um, and so when it comes down to it, uh, my, our students, um, they really do. I think that, uh, my, my, um, desire to be a good dad, mm-hmm. um, they, resonate with it and when i'm not they uh, let me know mm-hmm. a bunch I, I think I, I told sis miriam this maybe i don't know at some point we had a conversation and and we we're talking about traveling and, and you know leaving campus or leaving you know going to do things and a couple of years ago one of our students she just said she's like father do you think that um it's time for you to leave campus and like do something else and i was like oh wh- wh- why do you say that and she said well do you still have time for us hmm. With you know when you when you leave, I just yeah. I don't wonder if you still have time for us. Mm. And I was like, oh my gosh! Like on one hand, I'm thinking like you have no idea how many people I turned down <laughs> so I could be here right now. Yeah. On the other hand, I'm Amen. thinking. Yeah. On the other hand, I'm, the other hand, I'm thinking. Well, you're absolutely right because you are uh, a daughter that um, all you're telling me is that I haven't been a very good dad. And one of the things about this is. I'm used to my own dad who has awesome, so many gifts and so many, uh, brought so many blessings to our family. Um, but, uh, he, he is also a workaholic a bit. Mm-hmm. And, and so my experience of fatherhood was, yeah, he shows up on a, a regular basis, but we don't like live together. Mm-hmm. Um, he just, he shows up. Um, and, uh, but he's got a lot of work to do because that's what dads do. He's got a lot of work to do. And so I think that when it comes to parishes, you're asking the question, what can we do as, as a, a parish family, parishioners and whatnot? Um, I think there's an element of communicating, hey, not in, we want you here. Um, just, uh, not just to show up when your work's done. We just, we want you here, not because we need anything from you. Mm-hmm. We want you here because it's just really good when our dad shows up. And I know that that can easily slip into, Father, you need to be present for everything because people just, they want you to make an appearance. But there's a huge difference between we just need you to make an appearance, Father, because it gives our organization or our meeting some credibility. And we want you here because uh, we miss you. And if I can say one more thing, if that's okay. Of course. I remember being in a parish um, that is unnamed. <laughs> <laughs> and... 
I remember uh, I worked there for a while, and whenever it was the priest's day off, the 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 sense I got was everyone's like, okay, ah, oh, good, we can relax now. Oh. It's like, oh, he's on vacation for a week. I'm like, okay, good. It was this kind of sense of when he's not here, we're uh, relieved. When he's not here, we're happy. When he's not here, we're relaxed. Mm. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, like Lord, is that what I'll always be? I, will I always be the one that, um, like, when I'm not here, they're like, finally. And when I show up, they're like, oh, okay, well, ah, welcome back. I guess this is how it's supposed to be. Mm. Um, and so that was a big fear. It may it still remains one because, you know, I'm going to get assigned to a parish at some point. Uh, maybe that's going to be just the, just the uh, attitude. But one thing that my students have consistently said and our missionaries they, they will say again and again if i'm even just gone for like a night i had to drive to the twin cities for a talk or i was away for you know two days or something when i come back they're like father it's so good when you're back it is not the same without you Aww. we just we, uh, we just we hate being here when you're not here mm. that kind of a thing oh, of like oh my gosh thank you so that's the difference between like we need you at our meeting because you need to show up mm. for everything versus it's so good when you're here because it's not home when you're gone. Mm. Love it. I love that. So if you could communicate that to your priest, I think it would break his heart in two. If that's the goal. In a good way. If that's the goal. Totally the goal. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Amen. Any closing comments, um, Heather Michelle, before we kind of go into our one thing? Oh, I'm just so grateful, Father Mike. Thank you for yeah. your gift of fatherhood to obviously the people that you're with, but to all of us in the church. I think you're just a beautiful witness of the Father's love. And I'm just grateful for you, grateful for this time that we've had today. Uh, it means a lot. Much. I, Of course, whenever I don't know if you have this experience. Whenever anyone says anything uh, positive, you're always thinking of like, Here's all the ways I fail. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah of course. So, but, but, but thank that means that means a lot. So, yes, thank you so much. Yeah, and your priesthood is just a gift to the church, and so we thank you. But more than that, you're a gift to the church. You know, so we just, yeah, thank you so much for your fatherhood and for you. You know, and I love your exuberance, and so for a personality that loves very monstrous <laughs> I people, it. I love it. it, love it, love <laughs> it. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Well, Father Mike, what we do at the end of every podcast episode is we'll give you a, a few seconds to consider it, but we have a one thing. So the one thing that we really are enjoying, it can be everything from a simple walk outside to a piece of art, to a music, to a book, to whatever we have recipes. I'm sure you're wonderful. You probably got like a crock pot or something <laughs> recipe that you love, but uh, whatever you'd like to share. So um, Heather, you want to share with our listeners your one thing for the week as we go into Father's Day? Yeah. Yes. It's kind of appropriate for Father's Day, actually. <laughs> I was with my um, daughter last night and I was watching some video of Andrea Ooh. Bocelli who just melts me within seconds of hearing his voice. But she said, mom, have you heard that one with his son, uh, Matteo Bocelli? And I said, no. So we watched it together and it was so sweet. The two of them singing together, but the video is like all of these photos of him as a little boy and Andrea just like kissing him mm -hmm. and holding him and being with him. It was adorable and very moving. So the song is called Fall on Me by Andrea and Matteo Bocelli. And I'll put the video up in the show notes. Michelle, what's your one thing? My one thing kind of goes along with summer. So I love summer, but I love kind of what we're talking about with Father Mike. I really um, geared my schedule where I'm not traveling a ton this summer because I traveled way too much during the school year. And um, 
so I'm home a lot, which has been hysterical for uh, our community around us. They're like, you're home, <laughs> like you you're, you know, you're here. <laughs> and so what home means is I do a lot of hospitality, like we have people yeah, over. And so we are just about to have a lot of out-of-town guests. I have a couple of CFRs coming to stay with us, but I love potlucks. I love summer potlucks where it says, everyone bring something, come over, come one, come all. But I am having the best time because the community that we have around us is all different ages. So we have 20-something, 30-something, 40-something, 50-something all at our house, and I love it, but it cracks me up that it's the 20-somethings that love being in our house. And my husband and I are always like, we are not that cool. Why are you here? But, um, <laughs> you know, but I just love that sense of open-door policy and front porch conversations, and um, that is just like my sweet spot. So just summer hospitality is my favorite thing. Mm. You know, sister, what about you? And y'all do that so well. Um, my my one thing is actually a book that Jake, Heather's husband, gave me that I've been reading ex- excerpts from because Dr. Bob uses it a lot in his uh, therapy and his, re- his retreats. And it's a book called Living from the Heart Jesus Gave You. And it's based on the life model type of therapy where it talks about attachment and then, you know, the growth of the human person and relationships. And it's such, it's such a great book. So I will put that in the show notes as well. But if you're interested in living from the heart that Jesus gave you, and I would highly recommend reading that book. So it's, it makes, and it makes a lot of sense too. You're like, Oh, okay. I, I can get that. So I'm really enjoying it a lot. So I just want to give a shout out to Heather's husband, Jake, for giving me that book. So thank you so much. So Father Mike, if you had a chance to think about it, do we put you on the spot? <laughs> You know, I, I, there's a bunch of things, but I'm going to narrow it down. Cause uh, I never follow thing. that rule. So um, you can have a couple. I, <laughs> she gets like three anyway, but that's like a different story. Well, so. Okay. In that case, <laughs> and this is why like, I and then 27, we're like, okay, Father Mike, we didn't be like that. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was, honestly, you guys, this is going to be your longest podcast. And it's all my fault. And I'm so sorry. Um, the, uh, so I finished up a book by Brene Brown last week, um, oh, okay. called dare to lead. And it was very good. It. And then, um, across my, world came this book by Colleen Carroll Campbell oh, called yes. Heart of, The Heart of Perfection. Mm. Yes. And it is so good. So good. It is mm. so good. Um, it is written from the perspective. I, mean, I, I, I love many things I love about it. I don't, I didn't think that I was someone who uh, would deal with perfectionism or I didn't th- think that I was someone who uh, would need to this, need this book for myself. I'm like, oh, you know, this would be helpful to, to have this. She, the subtitle is it's something like how I traded in my view of perfection for God's, mm. um, and God's perfection. And it's just not only a, a good kind of, she unpacks her own self and reveals her own self and her own heart in many ways, but she then makes a bunch of these connections with great saints that you were like, oh, no, no, they, they would never have wrestled with this uh, mm. same kind of thing because saints, that's so beneath them. Uh, they would never struggle with, am I enough or am I doing enough for the Lord? They would just take the bull by the horns and like do it for the Lord kind of thing. And she does such a good job. I immediately, like after the first chapter, I gifted it to one of my sisters. I was like, don't read into this. <laughs> but, <laughs> That's so good. And she, she came That's out right. from uh, the back room this last weekend, Memorial Day weekend. I got to visit them. And she was like, so uh, I cried four times in the first 10 minutes. The audiobook. Yeah. Oh. I, I cried four times in the first 10 minutes. So uh, thanks for the book. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, you are very welcome. Oh, that's a good one. So The Heart of Perfection by Colleen Carroll Campbell. 
Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Father. It has been an absolute delight to have you on the show. Thank you for the gift of who you are, for your friendship, for your fatherhood, and for your priesthood. We we love you dearly, and we pray for you every day. So we're very grateful. That means a, a lot. That means so much. Thank you. And happy Father's Day to all the fathers. Um, we just want to give a shout out to all the men and your spiritual fatherhood, your biological fatherhood. We're very grateful for who you are, and we just ask that God would bless you in a very deep way this week, and we're very grateful for you. So thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked it, would you please share it with a friend? You can leave us a rating, leave us a review on iTunes. That helps us get the message out to as many people as possible. If you would like the show notes emailed to you, you can go to ascensionpress.com forward slash abiding together. That's ascensionpress.com forward slash abiding together and enter your email address, click the subscribe button and the show notes will be on their way to you every week. You can also find the show notes on the Ascension Press website, as well as each episode on the iTunes podcast app. You'll find everything there. You can join our private Facebook group and join our community and just get in on everything that's going on. We love to hear from you. Send us an email. Give us a shout out. We are happy to be on the journey with you. And until next week, we will be abiding together. Thank you so much.